Hey everybody, this is Devin Boker, and this is The Wild Life. It's a show hosted by two brothers that tells nature's untold stories and wild secrets. Now, for the last couple of weeks, you've probably noticed that we really haven't put anything new out there uh, into the podcast abyss. It just hasn't felt right. There's There's been a lot going on in the world, and I'm sure that you realize this, and um, and we wanted to give space, I suppose, uh, give space for other voices, um, as well as take time to think, and because we've been busy. We've been really, really busy putting something together, and this is not a new episode. Those will pick up next week with uh, the first one being with uh, Dr. One Pagan about uh, flatworms, but this week it's a major announcement. See, here's the thing. The wildlife was born out of a desire to help alleviate something that, at the time, we were calling the nature accessibility gap. Initially, it was clear that this gap existed along economic and other demographic lines, and it exposed a stark pattern of underrepresentation of BIPOC, that's Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, individuals and communities in science and nature as a result of barriers of access to natural areas and inequitable access to resources which would make those options a real possibility. To back up briefly, the true factors leading to this clear and present gap that has allowed for a clearly homogenous, and and by homogenous I mean white, uh, group's ability to lay claim to these fields is something that we've thought about and tried to understand for years. If there's anything that we know from science, it's that uh, homogeneity, the opposite of biodiversity, is rarely a good thing for sustainability and for progress. At first, the, the causes seem to be largely economic and geographic at the root. Now, as an educator, I spend a great deal of time reflecting on and investigating my role as a white male. My privilege, my complicity, my roles, my downfalls, and areas where I still need to learn and to grow. And I've committed to working actively against racism, but of course, I still have so much to learn. And I find that I'm doing so every single day. It's hard to admit, but only in the last year or so have we begun to rectify our understanding of that gap with our with our understanding of the greatest public and human rights threat of our time. And that is racism. Now, to be introduced to these topics, I think two great books to recommend right off the top. Uh, White Fragility is is a phenomenal book for white folks out there. Um, Another one is uh, Black Faces, White Spaces. Um, uh, We'll put links to the books in the episode notes. That's actually one of our current book club books. But um, the point being... Um, there's a lot going on here that uh, many people of, well, well, white people of privilege um, are, are able to just ignore and enjoy these things without, without having to think about them. The thing is, is that the same key components that perpetuate systemic and institutionalized racism, those being white supremacy, systems of money and power, and widespread aversive racism and and refusal to acknowledge that there is even a problem or or even a color on behalf of white people, 
are the very same components that lead to a gap in access and participation in science and the outdoors. Now, the stats here are something that I could go on at length about. There's so many different studies that show uh, participation rates as compared to demographic breakup and access. And all, there's, there's, there's endless amounts of data and studies. But I'm stating all of this as a matter of fact, not debate or something that needs convincing. Recent events, such as the Central Park incident, where a woman called the police on a black birder named Christian Cooper because he, by the way, politely asked her to abide by local leash laws, as well as recent initiatives like Black Birders Week, organized by Black AF and STEM, have made it clear that we have failed to address the real issue at root to the issues of accessibility and inclusion, and that is racism. Let's not mince words. First, let's just point out that we are not the biggest fans of using the term inclusion because it feels icky. We find it necessary, and I'll explain that in a moment, but it, it feels icky because the converse is to suggest that those who aren't included don't already belong when the truth is that it's a sinister system at play. It's also true that being hired, being accepted, being included, those are typically, well, even just being heard, those are typically all decided upon by white folks in leadership or managerial positions or what have you. And therefore, we must acknowledge that the very notion of inclusion is to acknowledge that science and nature are exclusive based on lines of race, which have only served to further economic divides and the idea of exclusion on, quote, socioeconomic lines. We have come to the realization that while this gap may be a matter of inclusion and accessibility, the real threat to science and the outdoors is a pattern of exclusion based on race and class. It's an unsustainable type of exclusion. It is a type of exclusion that, that quiets voices, quiets perspectives, keeps people out, and that needs to change. More frequently than most would care to realize, and by most I mean white people who have long laid claim to these areas and been comfortable, uh, these patterns of exclusion manifest themselves in direct and even violent ways. The recent trending hashtag, Black in the Ivory, exposed an ugly truth about our fields of focus. We should point out, though, that our use of the word exposed is not a word directed at BIPOC. They've known about these issues for years but at white folks who have been complicit in, benefited from, or have ignored these events until it became impossible for them to ignore any longer. These exclusions exist as a result of systemic and institutionalized racism and oppression. Therefore, the fight to end exclusion in the outdoors and in science is more than just a matter of addressing economics and interest. It is a fight against racism itself. That is why the wildlife is committing itself to learn and to strive to become an anti-racist entity, actively working to break down barriers of exclusion wherever they manifest themselves. An article from resourcesmag.org called Diversity in the Great Outdoors is Everyone Welcome in America's Parks and Public Lands lists out five main barriers of exclusion. The first one, we all know, affordability and access. The second, Early childhood experiences. It's been shown that if you have an early childhood positive experience in the outdoors, then you're more likely to care about it into the future and stay involved. Cultural factors. Discrimination in white racial frames, like how the media portrays the outdoorsy type, um, basically telling you who belongs in nature. 
and historical trauma and concerns of public safety. This is the start, the real start of what our mission should have been from the beginning. Before the end of the summer, we will have initiated all of the necessary filing paperwork to establish ourselves as a nonprofit organization. You can help us to reach that goal even faster and to begin to work on some of our first major initiatives. Right now, we make uh, about $117 per month on Patreon. It's, it's not a lot, but it's enough to sustain us and, and get us through you know, the, the things that we have to cover, like the website fees and podcast hosting platform and things like that. Our current goal is that if we can reach $300 per month as soon as possible, which is just over our current patronage through our patrons at patreon.com slash the wildlife, we can get this thing off the ground fast. We've already taken some significant steps, but we need this additional support if we are going to see this come to fruition. We will strive to highlight, not strive, we will highlight and boost the content of science communicators, scientists, and nature enthusiasts of diverse backgrounds, and to feature more BIPOC voices on the show. Here's the thing. While underrepresentation is an issue, what you need to realize is that people of color, black people, indigenous people, are in nature and in science, and their work deserves recognition. We will strive to increase the involvement of BIPOC individuals in our programs and community events, and, and the aim of virtually every initiative that we have settled upon is to fight against exclusivity barriers in terms of economics, increasing visibility, and increasing accesses to resources that are traditionally difficult to access or afford. Now, if you're a current patron, you're probably wondering, how do I fit into this? Well, of course, once we get everything established, guess what? You would now be a member supporter of a nonprofit organization. And if you care, that means you would be able to write off your monthly contributions as donations and your taxes and all that kind of stuff. But we are also looking for current member involvement, such as leading local community events. Now, I'm sure you're wondering, what are these buddy initiatives? Well, I want to say right off the bat, um, there's a few. And three of them, the first three that I'm going to talk about, uh, have their very own tiers on patreon.com slash the wildlife. And they're defaulted to $1 per month. But that amount is customizable. So $1 a month, that's $12 a year. $12 a year is like a pair of binoculars. Um, uh, maybe like a cheap pair. Um, if you want to do more per month or even a, just a larger one-time contribution, you can do that through Patreon. Um, to to help support these initiatives currently the way that we have it set up is basically the funding for those three separate initiatives will go towards uh, of course the things that they are designated to and all other patreon levels will help to support um, production of the podcast free educational resources um, and and to be able to further our abilities um, to to see greater progress with these initiatives that i'm about to explain like this first one the field trip fund State and national parks advertise themselves as places owned by all and accessible to all and welcoming to all. And while the latter can be true, the first two often aren't. Take St. Cloud, Minnesota. It's the small city in central Minnesota where we're based. The closest state park is 37 minutes away. Outside of the school setting, if you don't have transportation, you don't have access. Even in schools, if your building or district lacks the funding for such a field trip, you miss out on an opportunity experienced by more well-to-do schools, a.k.a. white schools, and 
uh, schools that are closer in proximity to some of these places, which are more rural and AKA white, right? That's why we are starting the field trip fund. Funds can be rewarded in two ways. One, if you're an individual who cannot pay for a field trip fee, like if you are a student, K through college, you can apply for us to cover your fee. The second way is if you are an educator, you can apply for funding to cover the cost of transportation for your field trip. Like I said, this fund is available K through college. The second one, one that we are incredibly excited about, um, binoculars for young birders and also naturalist kits, not just binoculars. This is an evolving initiative even as I say this, but basically you can support this program by signing up for uh, this specific level on Patreon as a monthly contributor or make a one-time donation. And what it will do is allow us to purchase new gear such as binoculars and field guides for individuals, schools, and to create additional kit supplies such as composition notebooks and locally customizable naturalist booklets. Now, the thing is, is first and foremost, we're a podcast and a blog. We're educational, we put stuff out weekly, and that's not going to change. If anything, we're just going to continue to do that, but with some extra pizzazz, I guess you could say. And uh, for example, one thing we're working on right now is developing a series of mini-series a mini-series of mini-series in the areas of zoology, mammalogy, ornithology, ichthyology, entomology, herpetology, and general ecology. And of course, once those are done, we will expand into other topics. We're even working on a mini-series related to wildlife rehab. Not only are these going to be short audio episodes that will help as a uh, supplemental uh, study material for you to you know, if you're a high school student who wants to get a leg up before you get into college, or if you're in college and you're struggling to understand the materials, now, we're also going to be creating visual guides and other materials for free K through college. We're also creating a fund called the Internship and Training Scholarship. A massive barrier, one that I myself faced in my first undergrad, is the upsetting reality that if you want to move forward in science, you're almost guaranteed to need to take on an unpaid internship or have to do some type of training that you have to pay for out of pocket. And if you can't go incomeless for three months, an entire summer, or, or can't afford these resume-boosting trainings, good luck. Well, we're hoping to help. This fund, which you can support on Patreon, is meant to provide stipends of varying need-based amounts so that you can take those opportunities and not have to fear about how you're going to put food on your plate. That should never be the case. Now, again, from the beginning, one of the main central focuses of the wildlife has been on community. It's time that we really really amplify that. The wildlife is soon going to begin hosting more frequent hikes, naturalist programs, birding get-togethers, park cleanups, and trainings in our local community, and, and mostly, strategically, in places within city limits so that transportation is not as much of a factor. These will be free events. Of course, donations are accepted and appreciated, but part of the purpose is to build visibility, to increase access by underrepresented groups, and to show that nature is truly everywhere. You don't have to be at some state park to go birding. You can bird right in the heart of downtown. In addition to these initiatives, we are going to be striving to work in collaboration with local and state agencies, as well as local universities to see how we can help to diversify various programs and how we can help to lessen or obliterate barriers of exclusivity that have historically kept black, indigenous, and people of color out of those areas. And, and continue to do so into the future. We are beyond excited about this next stage 
from the very beginning, even even before the wildlife started, it was the goal for me was down the line to start a nonprofit organization that that did some of this work. I never in a million years would have expected that in just four years time, we would actually be doing this. But we are. We understand that issues of race, issues of exclusion are much broader than the outdoors. And so I want to say that this is sort of a bandwidth thing. Now, in my personal life, um, as a teacher, I'm working to to work against racism in those avenues as well. It's just that in this context, with the wildlife as a nonprofit organization, using the podcast as the central thing, you know, much like how NPR or, or you know, that's a good example. You know, they have their radio shows and they're able to do other philanthropic work. Um, this this is our the the podcast is our um, way of bringing attention our way of amplifying voices, our way of educating for free, and our way of uh, uh, drawing in attention and hopefully funding for these other initiatives that will help to diversify the outdoors and to help break down barriers of exclusivity. It's the bandwidth which we have in this context of the wildlife, of the podcast, to, to focus in on. Now, as other opportunities arise, of course, we, we are going to take them. We will investigate them. Um, this is an issue that permeates every single aspect of our society. And it's an issue um, that, that white people, uh, being on the inside, need to address with each other, with the systems, with the powers that be. But yeah, with, with each other. It's hard work. It's gritty. It it makes you think, makes you reflect. At times, it makes you ashamed. But that's good, because that's progress. And so, if you're listening out there, and and you are one of our white listeners, um, we strongly encourage you to check out the the books that we're going to put in our episode notes. Um, but we strongly, even more strongly, encourage you to talk with each other, but to listen to the voices of BIPOC. That listening is important. Um, so, uh, like I said, this is not a typical episode. This is more of a uh, major announcement to to explain what, what's going on and where we're going into the future. Um, we've been building up anticipation on social media lately. So for those of you who were greatly anticipating this major announcement, I hope you thought it worth it. But again, these things are going to happen. Uh, they're going to happen exponentially faster with more support. So if you can hop on to patreon.com slash the wildlife, even a dollar a month, I'm, I'm telling you, that's $12 a year. That's like that's like less than a trip of Chipotle for a whole year. It doesn't take a whole lot. You still get different perks. You still get stickers and behind the scenes content and all that kind of stuff. Um, but more importantly, you are supporting, you're supporting the future of outdoors and science. You're supporting... Um, 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 the the decreasing of that homogeneity and the increasing of representation, the increasing of of of, of diversity, um, which is so greatly needed for the sustainability of science and nature. 
you're fighting against racism. And, and that's, I mean, that's what we're aiming to do. Um, sometimes it will look more direct. Sometimes it won't look so direct. Um, but know that that is our overall aim, is to fight against that racism, to fight against that discrimination, and to make sure that not only are our places in, in the outdoors and not only are science open to everyone, but that people are truly accepted and welcome in those places because a place can be open and you still not feel comfortable to go there. A place can be open, but you're not made to feel open. That is what we need to get past. Okay. Now we've got a lot of work to do next week though. We're going to be back at it with our regular weekly episodes. We have next week, it's uh, Dr. One Pagan to talk about um, Platy Hellman's uh, flatworms. Um, you've probably heard him recently on several other podcasts. He is an absolutely amazing person. One of my favorite guests that we have ever had. Uh, the week after that, we will be talking to uh, Sarah McAnulty at Skype a Scientist um, about bobtail squids and, well, Skype a Scientist. And the week after that, we're talking to Dr. Andy Kramer about the Galapagos, one of my favorite places that I have never been to, um, and in in part about you know the difficulty of of uh, working in such a hot spot of biodiversity, but also conflict and also issues of um, encroachment on on native peoples, and it's uh, it's a really interesting episode. Lots to do with snails, very unexpectedly. Snails, you always hear about the iguanas and the finches. You never hear about the snails. You are going to fall in love with the oobly-goobly snails of the Galapagos. Let me tell you what. Okay. Until next time, this has been Devin Boker. Richard will be back next week from his trip in Texas. And um, we hope we hope you stick around. We hope we have your support. And uh, we're excited for the future. We hope you are too. Okay. Take care, everybody. <laughs>